Ah, man. I know this is audio only, but I wish you could see what I'm looking at right now. My recording studio for this podcast is unbelievably beautiful. I'm, I'm sitting in this alcove that uh, just has these three big, beautiful windows that look out onto the property here at Rasta Ranch. And off to my left are four deer that uh, two of them are standing eating in the grass. And then the other two are just bedded down as this rainstorm and fog rolls through here. And if I look straight ahead in front of me, I have this beautiful quaking aspen that when the wind hits it, these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of small leaves the size of quarters shake in the wind really violently. And it's just like this beautiful, mesmerizing look um, to the tree. But if I look off to my right, I got this beautiful gym. Gosh, man, I love this place so much. Every part of the ranch here is absolutely amazing. Um, just feeling really grateful today and, and, and really blessed that, uh, that, you know, I get to do this, that I get to bring these podcasts to you, that I get to have these real conversations on a more intimate level than just what you would get out of a, an Instagram post or an Instagram story. And before we even get started in here today, I just want you to know that I appreciate you for being here with me, for listening, for uh, sharing these podcasts and getting into getting them into the hands of the people that need to hear them most. It really means a lot to me. And, you know, I've got a lot of things here today that um, I think are going to be valuable for you as well. Pretty much this whole morning so far before recording this, I've been on uh, I've been on this like Bob Marley kick. You know, I've been playing a lot of his old records from Songs of Freedom, which was a four disc set of all of his songs from the very first one that he did when he was a kid, which was called Judge Not, a very cool song with like this like skanky ska kind of vibe to it. Um, to up to one of the last records that he did, which was called Survival, a full album of nothing but like freedom songs about revolution um, and, and just like one of the, the best records that I think he ever put out. And I say all that because, you know, I, typically I, I have a, a quote, a passage that uh, His Majesty Emperor Selassie has said that I felt would be you know, worthy to share. But today I just, you know, I didn't put one together, but instead thinking about Bob, you know, <laughs> whenever he would get on stage, you know, he would, he would introduce himself and he would say something like, greetings in the name of his imperial majesty, Emperor Elias Selassie, Ja Rastafari, <laughs> or something like that, man. But he always had this like unique uh, introduction to what he was about to get into. And he always was praising his majesty. And I just, I love that about Bob because uh, in a lot of ways, you know, I, I like to think that I embody some of those same qualities. And so, you know, as we kind of get started here today, I just, uh, yeah, just happy to be here with you. And um, again, I got a lot of good things to share. And, you know, one of the things that's been on my mind lately is uh, exercise and training philosophy. You know, th there's two ways of looking at it. Of, at training and, and one of them is from a practical standpoint 
which would be like the the application of the thing, whether it's the movement part or the uh, the the preparation part or the post work. Um, but there's also like the theoretical side, the side where we get to like look at the different ideas and reasoning as to why we're doing a certain thing in the first place. And if I think about my life so far, you know, I've been in the game, I would say, sheesh, now probably 20, 25 years, something like that, like that I've, I've actually been in the fitness game, the, the training game, the, the exercise world. Um, and it goes back to when I was 15 years old, you know, that's kind of like where my story started when it comes to like structured exercise and fitness. And, you know, I, I started all of this in 2000, you know, the year 2000, I was, I was about 15 years old, 14, 15 years old. And, uh, I was a freshman in high school and I came into sports at that time. And, and football was like really like that first sport that was organized enough that required me to be in some kind of shape, you know? So prior to football, uh, I was like skateboarding and doing things like that, that really at the time didn't require a ton of fitness because I really wasn't taking it too seriously. I just like to skate around with friends and such. And so, you know, I could kind of get by with just the, the minimal athleticism that I did have. Um, but when it came to playing football for high school, you know, you, you gotta be strong, you gotta be agile you got to be uh you got to be in shape and so i was introduced to the gym at 15 at Rigetti high school in santa maria california and <laughs> you know the gym scene was much different back then especially when it came to sports because it was all heavy lifting you know it was all very fundamental stuff it was the deadlifts it was the squats it was the bench press um, there wasn't a ton of athletic-based movements. You didn't see kettlebells in the gym back then. And you damn sure didn't see BOSU balls or fit balls or TRXs. Like, you didn't see any of that stuff. You had dumbbells, you had barbells, and you had plates and maybe a few machines. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value to those types of fundamental movements for sure. But, you know, when I started my career, that was that was the extent of it. And I remember at that time that, uh, you know, that that's what I knew. And, and that's kind of like what I was into at the time. And so I would like really focus on getting stronger for my sport as a receiver and a kick and punt returner. And it actually was was really good because I didn't have a ton of choices and options. I was able to just really focus on those three main moves, bench, squat, deadlift. And so it was kind of a cool time. Um, but as my like life started to unfold a little bit more, a couple of years went by. And from 2002 until 2006, I really started focusing my my training not only just for football, um, but I was also riding bulls at that time as well, you know, and, and, and I've talked a little bit about my history with bull riding in high school and the college level and the pro level. But um, here's what I found interesting, because I already had um, like a, a background in in training up until that point, those previous two years, it only made sense to me that, well, if I want to now transition to a different sport that I was going to have to physically prepare my body for that sport. 
and one of the initial ways that I did that was as I started getting more and more into bull riding, I started to study film. I started to watch video footage of other bull riders that were doing it at a high level. And I would watch them and I would watch their rides and I would slow the tape down and I would watch that thing in slow motion, man, as many times as I needed to until I fully understood what I needed to do to be successful with bull riding. And so I would slow it down as as a bull would spin, you know, to the left, I would slow it down as the bull spin to the right and I would watch the rider and I would focus on what he was doing, what he was doing with his free arm, what he was doing with his legs, his chest, what was his body position like, and what were those subtleties that were allowing him to be successful? What were those small details that were allowing him to be in such a good position? Well, I noticed right away that, hell, bull riders have excellent stability. Bull riders have excellent flexibility. They have incredible strength. And so those were things that I needed to replicate in training. Now, 2002, 2003, like right in there, you know, in terms of like my era, it wasn't really cool uh, to, to, to be a bull rider and go to the gym. You know, at that time in the sport, it was much different than it is now. Because guys weren't working out. You know, I, when I was in college, I, I went to I went to college on a bull riding scholarship in uh, in in uh, what was it southeastern southwestern Colorado. And out of the probably six or seven bull riders that we had on our rodeo team, I was the the only one that was actually training. I was the one that was actually in the gym out of all the other guys. And in fact, you know, I, I think that I, I probably influenced the others like, hey, man, you guys need to be in here too. And so sometimes when I would go to the gym to train, uh, they would come along with me, you know, but I think that was kind of like more like a novelty thing for them at the time, because they really weren't sure what they were doing, or, you know, if they should even be in there. But it was something that I took seriously because I knew that if I wanted to get better at this thing, that I was going to need to train specifically for it. So not only did I get into the gym more when I was riding bulls, but I switched up my training styles. So it didn't it didn't necessarily make me a better bull rider to if I was able to bench press a ton of weight. So I, I kind of backed off of the bench press. It wasn't going to improve my level of athleticism if I could squat a ton or deadlift a ton. So I backed off on those things as well. And, and what I started doing more of was more cross training stuff. I started doing more hit rounds, high intensity interval training stuff. I started running more to get my cardiovascular stamina up. Because if you've never ridden a bull or you've never been around that before, it takes a, a heavy amount of cardiovascular energy to be able to ride a bull because, I mean, on, on the surface, you would think, well, it's only eight seconds, right? But it's more than that. It's, it's all of the time that you spend leading up to that moment is what I, I think a lot of people don't, don't fully understand. It's the moment that you step behind the shoots that everything starts to come into play. Everything in your focus starts to narrow. Everything on your mind shifts into this one singular focus, which is riding this bull. And because of that, your breath starts to, to shorten 
as your focus grows narrower, everything starts to tighten up and it takes a toll on your energy and stamina levels. So when you can harness the power of, of increasing that cardiovascular output, you can better manage your energy levels as you're behind the chutes, getting ready, being on the bull in the chute as you're you know tying your rope on and, and actually getting ready to go. But then also as you nod your head and your ride begins, those next eight to 20 to 30 seconds, you know, that also takes a toll on you. So it's very important that as a bull rider or as any type of rodeo athlete that, that you have a high level of that. So I did a lot more running as well. I also focused on my flexibility. I knew that I needed to be mobile and I knew I needed to be flexible. And so these were things that I wasn't doing in football that I started doing for rodeo that made me a better athlete. But here's another thing. I also started riding uh, horses bareback. Like I, I would stop riding with the saddle because a big part of being a successful bull rider is being able to squeeze with your legs. And you got to have those groin muscles, those inner hip, those outer hip muscles strong enough and, and have enough endurance in them to, to be able to withstand a ride. So I started doing a lot more of that as well. Um, and so as my life has progressed, man, I feel like I've just gone through all of these different styles of training. And, you know, after I finished my career in bull riding, uh, it was about 2006, 2007. And at that time, it was like, okay, where do I put my focus now? And so in 2007, I decided to go back to school again for something completely different. I went to school for, uh, for personal training. And so I moved from where I was in southeastern Colorado, and I moved up to Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I went to a school called NPTI, the National Personal Training Institute. And this is a six-month program that actually took me <laughs> nine months to complete instead of six because uh, I was, <laughs> I was, I had other stuff going on <laughs> and I wasn't super focused in school, uh, which historically has kind of always been my story. Uh, six-month program took me nine months to complete, but at that time, I decided to go a different route. So I started bodybuilding because I was in school for personal training, I thought, well, all right, well, well, let's get back to some heavy lifting. That's kind of like my roots. And let's kind of push the page here. At this point, I'm 20 years old. Uh, sorry, I'm like 19 years old, 20 years old, somewhere in there. I'm like, all right, well, why don't, uh, why don't I just see how big I can get? My testosterone levels are probably at their peak right now. Things are going really well physically. Let's do it. And so I started coming up with these like audacious goals as to how much I could lift. And I remember the the year was 2007 and i was lifting really heavy at that time eating a ton of food uh my my daily walk around weight was right about 215 which is the heaviest i've ever been i was a pretty big boy training every day sometimes twice a day and uh i had set some goals and i'm like all right by thanksgiving this year i want to be able to barbell squat 700 pounds i want to be able to military press 315 pounds. I want to be able to bench press 405 pounds. So I had these big numbers, you know, and I got pretty close to all of my goals that year. Actually, uh, I think that when it came to my squat, uh, I hit, I think I hit 650 on my squat and I actually got that on camera, um, which I think I'll have to dig up somewhere. Uh, 
and, and post it. But I got a 650 barbell squat that year. Um, I did hit my military press for 315, one rep. But I think on my bench press, I fell really short. Um, I think I only got 315, no, sorry, 365 instead of 405. So I did fall short there. But the point of me saying all that is is that I really got to experience what it took to be a bodybuilder for a short amount of time. The dieting part, the training part, the mindset, the, the priority on sleep, um, all of those things uh, really contributed to me understanding what um, what a bodybuilder would go through. And granted, I didn't do it for a long time. It still was something that um, that I was able to learn from tremendously. Now, that was 2007. Now, now moving on a little bit, 2008, I'm done with my personal training certification. I'm not riding bulls anymore. It's 2008. We had a big recession in 2008. Remember that? So at that time, my uh, business that I had just launched as a personal trainer kind of like tanked entirely once the recession hit. So I'm like, all right, well, shoot, uh, my business is, is done. What do I do? So I went back to school again. <laughs> I went back to school for a third time. And this time I was given a scholarship to play football at a college in California. So I moved from uh, from where I was to California, down in, in Southern California. So now things have changed up a little bit. Now I don't need a 650-pound deadlift. I don't need to military press three plates. What I do need to be successful is I need to be able to, to be mobile. I need to get some of this body weight off of me so that I'm more agile, faster, and I need to kind of like shift my focus into some more functional style training. And this was like the first time that I was really introduced to what functional training means. And I think that the, the, the real definition of this has kind of gotten skewed over, over the years. You know, I, I think that the majority of people see functional training as uh, movements that include stuff like BOSU balls or bands or TRXs and stuff like that, like all of like those fancy accessory uh, things that you can do with, you know, colorful equipments, which I guess is partly true. But really, like my definition of functional training is all about the word itself, functional. Functional meaning that you have several different ways that you can move, bend, lift, pull, push, and express yourself without having pain, stress, weakness, instability, etc. And so as I kind of started learning more about this, I, I started doing more stuff with agility ladders. I started doing more sprint work. I started learning different methods and frameworks to be more athletic and i think that at the college level this is this is one of those things that um that you're kind of introduced for the first time really because the if you look at like the the programming of the training sessions say from high school football to college football they're much different they're so much different and i really fell in love with with the concept of functional training in 2008 when I was in college and I really love it and I still do today 
So after my, my college career was over, um, in 2009, 2009 to 2015, uh, I continued on with all of the functional training stuff. You know, in 2009, I signed to play with an arena football team, and I moved away and, and started playing arena football for a little bit. And then after that was over, I continued to play football for a semi-pro league that uh, traveled like in the northwest part of the country through a few different states. And all the while, I was still doing my athletic movements that I learned in college and building upon them, you know, trying things out, trying new exercises, but really still staying functional, really still staying athletic. And at this time in my life, from 20, 2009 to like 2015, I was walking around right about 200 pounds. So I had shed some of that weight, some of that size, but I was still really athletic, which I really liked because, man, when you're athletic – you're dangerous, right? Like when you're athletic, you're, you're versatile. Like you can do so many different types of activities with very little hesitation or reluctancy. You're just so versatile and well-rounded. And, and that's what I love about that style of training and just being an athlete. And that's something that I'm going to talk about more here in just a little bit. And I wasn't really lifting heavy at this point either, just, just to throw that out there. So that was 2008 to 2015. Now, things changed again in 2015 because for the next four years, up until 2019, I started getting into American Ninja Warrior. And for those that are, are new to the podcast or new to being here with me, from 2015 to 2019, I trained and competed on the NBC show American Ninja Warrior. There's a lot of history on that. Uh, you could see it on YouTube or, you know, you could just Google it, whatever, if you want to see my runs. That stuff is out there and, and plenty of training videos, too. But what I loved about Ninja Warrior is that, again, it's so different. And you definitely have to be an athlete to, to be able to do well on that show. But, again, my training changed. So now I'm 200 pounds. Most ninjas are walking around at like 140 to 160, maybe 170, maybe. So I already know that like <laughs> I'm on I'm on the the opposite end of like the the average weight for for these ninjas. So I already know I'm coming in heavy. So what I had to do was switch up my training. So now what I started doing was body weight only because here's the thing. I don't need extra mass. I don't need extra muscle mass on my frame. It's just going to weigh me down. It's just going to wear my, my grip out faster. It's unnecessary for the sport. So I changed my body. And I went from about 200 pounds to right about 180, 175, 180. I think the lowest I got was 177, which was really difficult for my body to do because it didn't. it doesn't like being that light. So... I started doing body weight only because what I realized is this. If you train from a body weight only standpoint, you can build the muscles in a really unique way, meaning that you can increase your strength, I mean, tremendously without adding additional size. And that's exactly what I did. So I stopped with the weightlifting. I took weights out entirely and I started rock climbing a ton because I could push and I could pull 
all from a body weight standpoint and it it benefited me because it allowed me to build my grip strength at the time at the same time and obviously in ninja sports you got to have excellent grip so it was a win-win there but i also started training on different ninja obstacles things that i would experience on the show flying through the air catching small little ledges by my fingertips um, you know, uh, w working on slack lines to improve my stability and those smaller stable mu stabilizer muscles that surround the joints. Like all of those small details I could train on with these obstacles. But I also focus a lot on yoga because while yoga has a, a definite like breath work and, and spiritual component, it also has this excellent flexibility and mobility and stability component all what make me a better ninja and so one of the overarching themes here uh if, if you haven't picked up on it already is that throughout my life and career in sports i've always tried to look at what makes the people that are doing this the best successful what is the style of training that is going to allow me to have longevity in the sport What's going to make this easier for me? And, and, and once I figured that out, I just started training it. So perhaps if you're coming into a new sport or if you're looking to improve your performance in the one that you're currently in, man, maybe take a deeper look on that. Because I would imagine that even if, you're, even if you've been in a sport for a long time now, I bet that there's something here that you're overlooking. So maybe zoom out a little bit. And, and see what you can improve on here. See what you can bring into your training. See what you can take out of your training. That could make a difference for you. Now that's 2015 to 2019. Now 2019 comes around and I'm like, all right, cool. Well, Ninja was fun. I got on the show a couple times. I did my thing, finished the course, had a great time. But I'm not really in love with it. And interestingly enough, um, while I was doing all that training for Ninja Warrior, I was also running in the mountains. And I remember like specifically numerous times I would be training for Ninja Warrior. I'd be in the gym working my butt off and I would be thinking to myself like, man, I wish I was out running in the mountains right now. <laughs> Imagine that, right? And what I realized finally is that, wow, um, maybe I don't love this Ninja Warrior stuff anymore like I thought I do. But man, if I don't love this, this mountain running stuff. And so in 2019, I switched gears yet again. And I started training for these ultra marathons, these 50 to 100 mile mountain races that you see me doing now. And once again, I had to get clear on what type of training is going to make me a, a better athlete for this sport. So there were really like two or three things that I found. Again, I'm a heavy guy, so I'm, I'm 180, 185 pounds at this point. And again, I'm, I'm a heavier runner compared to most. So I started running more, obviously, because if you want to get better at running, you just have to simply do more of that. But I also incorporated more athletic-based strength training. So I brought the weights back in after taking them out from Ninja Warrior. And what this has allowed me to do is put on a little bit of size, but bolster up the strength in my quads and my hamstrings and my core, calves, 
but also bolster up my tendons and ligaments in a way that's going to allow me to stay injury free or at least reduce my risk of injury as I traverse, you know, 50 to 100 miles through over the out throughout the mountains over the course of a 15 to 24 hour period. So training has changed a lot for me over the years and I've learned a lot and I've experienced a lot. And, you know, I'm grateful for all of it because as I've gone through all of these different changes and throughout all of the years of staying on top of my, my fitness, um, I haven't had a lot of injuries and, you know, knock on wood here, but, uh, I've been really lucky because I feel like most people would have experienced more, more injuries by now. Um, but I attribute that to, to always staying on top of my health and prioritizing that and investing in my, in my body. And, you know, I have had some injuries here and there. I've had one shoulder surgery. Um, you know, I've been stepped on by blood bulls several times, but my knees are healthy. My joints are healthy. My back is healthy. My spine is in great condition. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But that all comes with, uh, intentional movement with knowing exactly why I'm going into the the gym and what I'm going to be doing that day and and that's actually what I wanted to talk about next is is training philosophy and kind of giving you like a few things that I've learned over the years and that I've kind of like integrated into my own philosophy as to exercise and movement and training and and what it all means to me and and kind of using these these keys that I'm going to share with you as you know almost like these navigational beacons because if you think about a navigational beacon what it allows you to do is to stay on the path and as you're going throughout your day if you have these these keys or these principles set as beacons for you it makes those daily decisions in your life so much easier like when you know what it is that you stand for or when you know what it is that you believe in, heck, it, it makes it so much easier for you to choose what to do and what not to do. Does that make sense? So let me share with you maybe like, like, like three of three key points in my training philosophy as to what I've learned over the years. And this first one is probably going to make sense, right? After everything I just said, but thing number one is, is that it's training. It's not working out. Okay. It's training. It's not working out. You know, the, the big difference between these two things, although they sound the same are this, I mean, listen, training is intentional. There, there's typically a performance goal that's attached to the work. Working out is random. There's simply just like a feeling that you're trying to catch. Training is organized. There's a specific plan in place to remove the guesswork and to remove the headache. Working out is disorganized. You know, you're simply just showing up and looking around the gym for things to do. And how many of us see that every time we go to the gym? On the other hand, though, training is progressive. There's levels and metrics that are regularly addressed and surpassed. But working out is scattered. There typically isn't much that's being measured. Therefore, uh, progress is limited. 
Does this sound familiar to you? Because I can guarantee that you've seen this. Every time I go into the gym, I see people like this. And, and look, like no judgment here. Bless their heart. They're in there. They're, being, they're, they're doing what they can or, or the best that they can with what they know. But there's a better way. You know, here's a couple statistics that I found online that I want to share with you. Listen to this. The majority of health clubs and gyms across the country here in the U.S. lose 50% of their new members within the first six months. 50%. That's a lot of people. Another thing that I read is that uh, there was a study that was done by the retention people. Um, this was a, a uh, third-party study that was done, and they found that health club members are more likely to renew their gym membership if they participate in group exercises. In group exercises. Well, why is this important? Why is group exercise even in this conversation? Because here's the thing. Group exercise, typically, more than likely, 9.999 times out of 10, is led by a coach or a trainer. And because of that, there's typically structured training involved. There is typically some kind of framework as to what they're doing when they come into the gym. Now, how do you know if you're falling into the trap of working out instead of training? Well, you know, there's a few telltale signs here. Number one is you know, I guess you're just choosing exercises once you show up on the gym floor. You know, I've kind of already mentioned that a little bit. But if you haven't noticed this before, next time you're in the gym, or maybe you're listening to this right now in the gym, look around. You see anybody in there in particular that's kind of just like wandering or maybe just like looking around or maybe just like aimlessly walking from machine to machine, taking their time on their phone, not really moving with purpose. Chances are they're probably stuck because they just don't know what they're supposed to be doing. And, and I've been there too. I've been, th I've been there plenty, so I, I get it. Here's another way that, to know if you're falling into that trap. You did the same thing that you did last week. You did the same thing that you did last month, last year, whatever. You've been doing the same stuff since high school. Like, we know people like that too, right? Like, there's always that one guy or that one girl that's doing the same things that they've always done. And they stagnate and they plateau. Or you see those people in there that, uh, that have been going to that same gym for years. But yet they still look the same. Why is that? Chances are it's because they're not making any progress because they're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And again, I'm going to say this again. No judgment. No judgment at all. But these are just things to look out for. But here's another one of these pitfalls to know if you're falling into that. You're stoked on quantity over quality. We all have that friend that brags about volume. Gosh, <laughs> I got a couple of them. They, they, they brag about like how many reps of, uh, you know, box jumps or how many uh, how many push-ups they did nonstop or, you know, whatever it may be, power cleans or whatever. But here's the thing. Working out tends to emphasize that quantity of the work instead of the quality of work. And I think that by taking this approach in the gym, a lot of times it, it, leads, to, it leads to injury. It leads to burnout. 
I've seen it plenty of times over my years as a coach. But the other side of this is that performing great movements the wrong way squashes any kind of any kind of results while creating those injuries. You know, you can you can do great movements but perform them poorly and still get hurt. But what I've found is that training focuses on learning those those skills of resistance or strength or conditioning and then focusing on the quality of the movements. And this is something that has been talked about a lot recently, you know, especially when it comes to CrossFit, you know, like, for example, when I first started CrossFit, it was 2000, geez, I can't even remember, 2007, I think I did it for a minute. And I realized at that time, like, whoa, this is not for me, because this is, at the time, CrossFit had a bad rep of, of just like, throwing people under the bar and making them do, you know, <laughs> like, whatever, you know, reps for scoliosis, or you know what I mean? Like, there was just, gosh, it was bad at the time, and CrossFit has definitely cleaned up a lot since then, but like, it was, it was tough back then, because it was all about volume. It was never about quality. So, and again, um, I got to say this again, because I, I don't want to offend anyone here, because there's nothing wrong with just working out. You know, there's, there's plenty of people that go to the gym that aren't specifically training for anything that are just wanting to to be healthy and to feel good and and man more power to you but this is the high performance health podcast and i can guarantee that the majority of you are interested in higher levels of performance so that's why we're having this conversation there's a more efficient way of doing things and that's by that's by training so that's the 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 first piece of what I've kind of um, developed as, as my philosophy is that it's not working out. Okay? This is training. It's not working out. So number two, um, kind of carrying on from there, my second piece here is to train like an athlete. All right? Train like an athlete. Because here's the deal. Everybody needs to be strong. Everybody needs to be agile flexible, stable, fast, explosive. Every single person that operates at a high level, which is you, which is me, needs to be strong, agile, stable, fast, explosive, flexible, all of that stuff. You have to. Because you live in a world where nearly everything in it is trying to kill you. Animals, plants, cars, other people, freaking bears vending machines this is a true story vending machines look look between 1978 and 1995 there were at least 37 people who died and 113 people who got hurt due to vending machines falling over on them okay everything is trying to kill you and you need to be prepared for that and besides training like an athlete greatly reduces your chances of death or even worse, going viral for getting hurt doing something stupid. We have to be we have to be training like an athlete. This is so important. Because here's the thing. Hear me out on this. If you were to strip away modern society and and all of those fancy comfortable things that we have now, what's left is humans in their original environment. Nature it's real out here, man. I'm telling you, it's survival of the fittest, but also the readiest. 
And after spending as much time out in nature as I have, I've realized that nature is just one big competition. And everything in it is already an athlete. I mean, it has to be in order to survive. I mean, think about this. Imagine living a life where you didn't have to think twice about doing anything physically. Imagine just like jumping on rocks to cross a stream with no problem. You're on a hike with your friends and you got to cross that stream. Oh, yeah, cool. No problem. Boom, 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 boom. You're across the stream. You just do the thing. You're in the yard and it's, uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday or it's Thanksgiving or Easter and your kids are like, Dad, chase me across the yard or, or Mom, I bet you can't find me. How cool would it be to just not even have to think but be able to just turn on the gas and chase your kids around the yard? How cool would that be? Imagine living a life where, man, heaven forbid, but like the building that you live in catches on fire and you realize that there's somebody trapped up on the third fourth fifth tenth floor and they can't get into the building but you as an athlete because you've prepared and trained for this have the ability to scale up the side of the building to save them and i'm not making this up as a hypothetical situation i watched a video on youtube I watched a man in South Africa climb almost 12 or 13 stories by his hands and feet on the outside of a burning building to save his mother who was trapped inside of her room. These things happen. And the question is, will you be prepared when they do? This is really important. But I also want you to think about this. Think about what stage of life you're in right now. Think about you being 20 or 30 or 40 or 50. Think about your current profession. None of those things matter. It's still important that you train like an athlete no matter what. Because even if you don't have a sport or, or a competition coming up, you still need to be strong. You still need to be flexible and mobile because when you are all of those things, your risk of injury goes way down and your quality of life goes way up. So that's number two, train like an athlete. Now the third one here is to invest in your body. Invest in your body. This is something that I've done since day one because I, I, I see the ROI on it. And it's greater than anything that I've seen with anything else that I've invested in. You only get one body. Invest in it. It will be around a lot longer than an expensive handbag. Train outside of your comfort zone. Push the limits. Nourish yourself with the best quality food and supplements. Nap. Have lots of sex. Be in nature as much as possible. Do what you have to do to feel great. That was a quote from Russell Bateman with the Skinny Bitch Collective. He's somebody who has put together uh, an incredible program for people to regain control of their life and actually take it to the next level. But he's right, you know? You only get one body. 
and it's going to be around a lot longer than some of these other things that you can just buy at the drop of a hat. It takes time to, to cultivate a healthy body and a healthy mindset. It takes daily work and, and discomfort and struggle. It takes a lot of sacrifice, as you know, as somebody who's probably already achieved a certain level of health and success in your own life. It's hard work, and it's hard work to maintain that as well. But by doing this work right now, everything gets better. You know, if I think about like my top three expenses right now in my life, they're stuff here at Rasta Ranch, whether it be the property upkeep or the, the additions and renovations that I'm making. It's travel, whether I'm going on personal trips that are just for Gabriella and I, solo trips for me or just business trips where I'm out speaking or going to FitCon or whatever. And then the third thing is my health. It's my grocery bill every week. It's my, my coaching fees that I pay other coaches to, to help me with. It's the events that I go to as a student, as a participant. It's my continuing education so that I can continue to pour back into you with the things that I learn. Yeah, because all of these things contribute to health. So my top three expenses are the ranch, travel, and health. You know, and, and all of these things make me better. And I've found that the more that I invest back into me, hell, man, the better I get. And so I'm going to continue doing that until, until I can't anymore. Now, all of that being said, it's like, okay, so I have philosophy, I've, you know, I've, I've had all this experience, how do I now take all of that? And, and what do I do with it? And maybe this is even a question that you're asking yourself, you know, because I bet as many years as you've been in the game, you're probably wondering, like, what can I do with it now? How do I find that? Like, how do I find that thing that sets me apart or that allows me to to use my gifts and my skill sets and my experience for the greater good. Well, there's a million different ways, but you know, one of the ways that I've found is by, by creating exercises. And this is a, 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 such a fun thing for me to do because it, again, allows me to be creative, but um, I get to take every piece of experience and coaching and, and that I've had over the years since I first started this thing and I get to like put it to work. I get to find ways to create new movements, new exercises that improve stability, coordination, agility, strength, all of those things. And if you look about what I have on my Instagram feed right now, you know, one of the big things that I do is I create the exercise videos, you know, the ones that have the two slides and in the second one, I'm like, all right, let's talk about it. Those ones. Now with those movements, you know, I would say 9.9 .9 out of 10 of those are all of my own creations. Because I love nothing more than just going into the lab, which is, you know, the gym here at Rasta Ranch. And I love just going in there and grabbing a couple things and just playing with them. I'll grab a I'll grab a BOSU ball or I'll grab a tennis ball or I'll grab a TRX and I'll be like, all right, I wanna I wanna do something for my stability today. 
or I want to do something um, for my core, or I want to do something for single arm stability, whatever it is. And I'll start thinking about how can I use this equipment and use my body in a way that is unique, that's challenging, and that is, uh, you know, like something that I could really benefit from. And I'll probably sit in there for anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes a day, and I'll just try things. And I'll just move in different ways, and I'll try to, you know, get into the, the different planes of motion for those that have uh, kind of been through a personal training certification. I'll move through different planes of motion trying to figure out, like, what is difficult but feels really good and is and is actually makes sense, you know. And, and so pretty much everything that you see on my Instagram feed are movements that I've created. And I really enjoy that. It's a lot of fun for me. And I think that a lot of people like it as well because, you know, exercise has to be fun. If I was to add a fourth uh, key to, to my training philosophy is that it has to be fun or you're not going to do it, you know. And so if I can make things fun for me, then I am more likely to go and do it. I'm more likely to stay consistent. I'm more likely to stay engaged with it on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, which I, I guess is consistency. Yeah, it's the same thing. But it's just funner, man. It's just fun to like, just go in and, and feel like you're playing and that you're not actually like working all the time. You know, exercise is definitely work, but sometimes it's fun to just go in and, you know, stand on one leg and throw a tennis ball against a wall and see if you can hold your balance. You know, like some of that stuff is fun and you can gamify some of this stuff. And I think that that's what's going to to keep you in the game for a longer period of time. And, and so I try to make this stuff as fun as possible. So training philosophy is always something that I'm continuing to refine. I'm continuing to grow with and continuing to, to just be creative with, because it's really important as you, you know, kind of go through these different phases of your life where you're experiencing new things with exercise and movement is that you try to extract the things that you can take with you and use at a later time. And so there's subtlety in everything that you do when it comes to movement. And there's so much to be learned about the body, about your experience with it, um, and, and how you can use it to ultimately lead a, a healthier, happier, more vibrant life. And that's one of the things that I try to continually come back to on this podcast, in my own athletic pursuits, et cetera, is like, how can I just inject more fun? How can I make this better? How can I make this machine better? And as a result of all of that, um, you know, it's kind of led me to do some incredible things, which I love to share with you now. And, and a couple of the ways that I'm trying to share those things is, well, one of them is through the the programs that I offer um, through the, the link in my bio. You know, I've created several different programs that uh, range from mobility to strength, whether it be at the gym or in the, an, in the house, from running programs to uh, core programs. I mean, there's just so many, so many different programs that I've created, all with specific training goals in mind. And I would encourage you that, you know, if you haven't seen them yet, to go check them out. Because I guarantee that there's something there for you. You know, I even created an entire video course, a four-week video course, on how to be a better runner. 
you know, and in that course, um, I not only give you a running program like where to run and how to run every day, but I also teach you the mechanics of running, you know, like what your arms should be doing, what your hips should be doing, what your breath should be doing. I show you how to break down the the correct pair of running shoes that you should buy, like all of the different parts of a shoe. And then I talk about different body types and then how to how to buy shoes that fit you best. And I also talk about the mindset of running. You know, when you get into low spots, what do you do? How do you act? How do you how do you bring yourself out of those low spots? You know, so I've done a lot of that to uh, to just kind of help you on your journey because again, it's very important that when you're in the gym that that you're you're training and that you're intentional and that you have a plan in place because once you do, man, it just makes everything so much easier. So that's one of the things, you know, if, if you haven't done so yet, there's a link in, in my bio on Instagram that you can just click and you can see all of those programs that are available. Or if you're not on Instagram, you can just go to therastarunner.com and you can see all of those programs as well. Now, if there's something that's a little bit more unique or specific that you're training for, I do offer one-on-one coaching as well, which is all done virtually through my private app that you have access to. But what makes this different is that it isn't just a general program that I've created, but instead this is coaching. And what I love about this is I get to be more hands-on with you. So you and I are in regular communication. Every week's training program is progressive, meaning that at the end of the week, we talk about what went well, what didn't go so well, and then we make the necessary changes on a week-to-week basis. This is actually my favorite type of coaching because I get to be so much more involved with you along the way. And uh, I think that it's just a better product overall for you as the athlete or the client, but me as a coach, because I get to do what I do best, which is, you know, coach. So... If that sounds more along the lines of what interests you, then you know you could just send me a, a DM on Instagram, um, and we could talk a little bit more to see if it's a good fit for the both of us. But you know, in closing, I just want to say thank you again for taking the time out of your day to sit and listen and learn, and for just being coachable. You know, I think that anybody who listens to a podcast has a desire to learn, because you wouldn't be here if you didn't. Because it isn't, it isn't fun visually to just listen to somebody's voice. Like, <laughs> you really have to be uh, willing to learn something and wanting to take away and get better at it. And, and I know that that's why you're here. So thank you for being here with me today. If this podcast was helpful, um, I would just encourage you to share it with somebody that you know that would benefit from it. Um, or even just, you know, tag me on your stories, tag me on your posts, send me a message, let me know what you think. Um, I would love to hear your thoughts and, and feedback on, on how this episode was. So I hope you have a great rest of the day. And uh, yeah, just appreciate you for being here. Rastafari.